Welcome to the Afton Podcast. Today we shine a spotlight on the exceptional Stephen Chow. Straight from Scarborough, Ontario, this brilliant dance and choreographer has transformed the stage into his canvas. He's collaborated with powerhouses like Warner Brothers Music and Mazda Corporation, breathing life into dance with his unique vision. In this episode, we'll journey through the rhythm and motion that define Stephen's world. Let's step into the dance shoes of this extraordinary artist. So can you discuss how you first got involved in the Toronto dance scene and how it has impacted your career as a dancer and choreographer? Well, I started dancing in 2010 when I was 15 years old. I was in grade 10 and at that time MTV was big. Yes, I remember those days. It was really so cool to see more shows on TV, especially with So You Think You Can Dance and also America's Best Dance Crew. And at that time, there was it was season two yeah. and there was this dance group called Fanny Pack that I was a huge fan of. And they were really the underdogs of the season because they were more queer and they had more female representation, BIPOC representation. And everyone was mostly not that accepting of their queer identity yeah back on the show it was it was really cool to see that the judges did not care about their background and they would keep saving them and in the end fans started taking a liking to them and they became third place Wow! so i found that inspiring and then i didn't really know my sexual identity at that time either so watching them without really knowing who it was i was feeling some a lot of compassion and excitement watching them be the underdogs and fight their way to the top and watching how they express themselves through movement was so inspiring so i started at a studio called vibe dance company up in markham and at that time we were able to hire choreographers from the states which were booming at that time so i went right in and i was so excited and driven so i got studio training i got training from the la choreographers it was really intense but That's how I started my journey. And in 2016, I left my company and I went to Korea to audition for K-pop for fun. But I was too old. (laughs) Wait, wait. What do you mean you were too old? Do they, They, there's a certain limit or age? Yeah, it's really odd. It's a very youthful industry. And so they want to take people, let's say, from six years old to maximum 16. And I was 20 at that time. Wait, maximum 16? Yeah, um, I have a friend who I met in my trip in Korea and he was 18. And they said, you're lucky you even got in. Wow. But good luck getting all the way there. Wow. And at the same time, this information, like this changes over time. So just just so you know, the whole conversation is based off of your perception of things, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, definitely. Keep that that in mind. (laughs) Yeah, things are different. Yeah, but wow. Like, yeah. I can imagine how fast that is. And at the same time, though, you have kids learning at that good, like their ability to learn at that age range is rapid more over anything. So I could see why. But at the same time, out of curiosity, how many hours are they working there? Oh, my gosh. I saw a documentary about how hard they work and i believe they train for 10 hours a day in singing modeling dancing acting 
and then they still have to go to the eight hours of school. And then people who are in later high school still have their part-time jobs. So it would be 20 plus hour days and their diets are, were insane. Nowadays, I think it's much more lax, but yeah. back then it was wild. So that's what I know their lifestyle was like. Yeah. Nowadays, I don't see as much. They seem a lot more free, especially with the Americanization or globalization of K-pop mm. and the need to kind of show that they're happy, genuinely happy, because people yeah. can tell that yeah. whether they're not. Yeah, yeah. after applying. Yeah, so... I auditioned and I was too old, but it was a really good experience. Um, I came back and I started teaching at the studio called Millennium. Mm -hmm. uh, it was based in LA, but they opened a location in Toronto. After that, I joined a studio called Dance Life X. I'm still with Dance Life. However, I'm slowly pulling back a bit, trying to do more commercial work. So it's been a fun ride in Toronto. However, Overall, I believe my goals lie in doing more commercial work with music mm. videos and artists going on stage doing tours. However, times have changed here. MTV is no longer a thing. That's true. Music it's... video grants have gone down a lot. Yeah. So a lot of artists who do want dancers, their budgets are out of their pockets now. So in terms of the industry here, it's been a great way to learn and build myself. However, I think it's time to just start traveling way more yeah that's that's a very interesting take on things and what you're saying about music industry is true you know it's just at the same time it's how it is like everybody has their phones cable is not a thing anymore for mm -hmm. newer generations and at the same time older generations aren't going to watch mtv or anything mm -hmm. and in that level of things you know it's just like what fox news and yeah stuff like that exactly. <laughs> cnn yeah like that's all they use it for so with the moving around is as well is there a place that you see yourself like going to per se or or that's on your bucket list mm -hmm. of must travel to as a choreographer dancer mm -hmm. i have i think five locations right now right now there is new york nice for the jazz and jazz funk and music theater scene i really love uh, street jazz and jazz as well so i want to do a lot of training and connecting there i also want to go to la where the magic happens there's a lot of connections in la especially with the asian american community there right now they have a lot of links to k-pop which is the industry i want to work with mm. and also Aside from K-pop, there's just so many other artists I do want to work with there, American artists that I want to work with and dance for. And then I want to go to Korea again mm. to make connections, do those huge stages, maybe dance back up for a K-pop group. Tour Asia is really fun. Yeah. And then Hong Kong, because I have a level one Hong Kong citizenship. Nice. And Ooh, wait. Yeah. Level? There's like level one i'm not sure how it works yeah there's tears i believe so i don't know what i can do right you, now with you can leave it there you can leave it there. Yeah. that's just interesting that's just yeah. interesting so i want to go there maybe work up towards higher tiers i don't know mm -hmm. what i need to do work however i have juliet chan there oh, yeah. is a friend me and Alyssa know and so she said if i go to hong kong she can get me work as well so That's that good. seems like a really great connection to have and i'm closer to all these places in asia and last but not least i think vancouver is another location because their dance scene i feel and see that it 
is very different and the vibe is very hardworking and diligent, which I love. Mm. And I hear a lot of great things from Studio North there. So I would like to go there. It seems like a safe haven for me to train first before going into the scary places. I feel like there's always this need before venturing out of your home. You, you just have to prepare yourself with as much as you can. But at the same time, you can only prepare for so long. Eventually, you just have to take that leap of faith and just walk out the door. You know, yeah. <laughs> you got something to say? Yeah, I've been living in my freaking home, the same room I was born in <laughs> for 27 years, almost 28. I literally am in the same room, the same house. And I am like, I love my parents. Well, I love my mom, um, <laughs> but I feel so stunted not because it's their fault at all. However, I feel comfortable. Most of my life, I've been pampered in this way where I can't actually want what I want. I feel like it's more like you're not alone with that, though. Mm. Um, like this generation, like I'm 25, 26 this year, right? Um, our generation or people in like even... 20 something like i know a 32 year old who is still living with their parents you know mm. i i feel like parents right now are a lot more like i don't know like they care type of thing like domestic and, yeah lovers and and it's like like they could see how everything is turning out and everything like it's hard to get a place for yourself mm -hmm. right now it's hard to um to find work here and there in the next five years mm -hmm. with AI, oh jobs are going to be lost. And there's just so much change, yeah. right? It's, it's so rapid. So at the same time, I, I understand because like parents want to keep their kids safe. And in, mm -hmm. in a society that is very unsure of things that like everything is changing so rapidly, it's like how, how do they help? you know mm -hmm. so so yeah like like i understand and mm -hmm. you're not the only one man like mm -hmm. a lot of people are in the situation where 35 they're still living with their parents you know mm -hmm. and it's just because of how it's the unfortunate side of the rapid growth of our society more mm -hmm. more over anything um but yeah yeah there's a lot of people <laughs> moving out and especially with the pandemic as well sending them back home or the homeless rate i don't know the statistics but it really feels like it's been growing rapidly here or well, i can't tell yeah i was reading something okay this is a little off topic mm -hmm. and um, we could diverge back um, <laughs> after my statement here but yeah. i was reading something um where it was like in canada like our home issue is becoming a problem and it's mainly because of the amount of immigrants that are starting to move here right that's that's making it a problem just because like there's not much housing and like the it was on reddit like so <laughs> like be warned <laughs> but then there was a comment that caught my attention and basically was like you could not say this five years ago. Five years ago, if you said this, it would be a, an attack on color, mm -hmm. right? A, an attack on um, a certain 
type of person. But mm -hmm. then now saying it, you're just looking at numbers and the numbers are rough, man. Yeah. Like they're freaking rough. Um, you, you mentioned um, the studio you're currently with as well, but can you discuss any particular venue studios or events in Toronto that have been influential or inspiring for you? I believe all the studios I've taught at have been the most influential. Where I've taken classes, I think where I've taken classes and taught are the same places really. So each location has its special place in my life, uh, good and bad. Um, vibe was really good. Mm -hmm. It was where I started off and it was a very safe space to be amongst other Asians in Markham, learning how to dance when Asians dancing wasn't a thing back then either. So it was a really growing point for me. And then Millennium was a good taste of an LA business coming over. And I never thought I could teach there because they're based in LA and that's the hub of entertainment and top industry professionals. Mm -hmm. So it was really humbling to have a slot there. It was really tough because I had three classes a week and they let me teach K-pop original choreo. So Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, but it just wasn't a thing at that time in the studio. So I basically made $0 a month. I think every class I had was, I guested someone, so I wouldn't get paid for that. But it was still a very good experience. And I have a lot of footage that could help if I were to try to move, I believe. That's and good. Yeah. And as you said, the the globalization of K-pop now, that, that can help you quite a lot, especially yeah. with applying. The famous red wall background is like iconic, <laughs> so I, I want to use that. And then Dance Life Right Now is teaching me a lot about our point before about how rapidly life is changing. I, As much as I do love K-pop, there is becoming the, a trend of videos uh, taking class for videos nowadays versus actually learning and and that is that's the creative process i want to talk to you about mm -hmm. later on so right. we're gonna have to hold on to that one yeah <laughs> but aside from that it's taught me a lot about trying not to fight against it i think i've grown a lot of inner hatred or a lot of self-doubt and outward negative projection mm. in the past in the past year probably because I see where the trends are. So that's where I'm at right now. And that's why it plays an important role of where I'm at. It's about what I can accept and what is not acceptable mm. versus how to view change. Um, I want to like dive into Toronto for a second and ask how you see Toronto's dancing evolving and growing in the future. Like, mm -hmm. what do you, what's your projection for that? I see capitalism yeah oh happening everywhere including the dance scene really yeah and businesses buildings are being torn down for new condos including dance life right now so years from now when it's torn down it will inevitably be turned into a huge shopping complex or a condo and mm. that is almost by no doubt unaffordable for a dance company. So I see dance businesses slowly moving out of the core mm. unless they're super commercially popping or government funded, which dance studios are not government yeah. funded. So yeah. right now I see danger uh, because... I haven't thought of that, mm. honestly. Um, maybe it's because 
with art, my type of art, mm-hmm. it's very sheltered, mm-hmm. right? And like, I'm not involved in the gallery world anymore. But that said, a lot of galleries are funded mm-hmm. by governments and whatnot. Thing just mm-hmm. like grant, not grants, but governments like banks, like mm-hmm. private owned companies. You know, I, I never really thought of that for a particular art, mm. um, which is a very interesting take as well. So, yes, please, yeah. please continue. I did see after the pandemic, there are opportunities where people try to form a community again. Mm. And it's looking bright in that aspect. But is there space for it? Yeah, because most of the time people go to older buildings mm-hmm. over anything. Mm-hmm. And these older buildings are what bought out in the next two, three years and mm-hmm. whatnot. Uh, we were up at the, me and Alyssa were up at the CN Tower the other day. And it is amazing how much greenery and like lack of buildings they were um, on oh. like that part of like around Queen Street, Queen West, looking that way. Oh. Right? And it was very interesting. But at the same time, you could just see and like all that comes, all that came into mind for me was this is going to be torn down. This is just going to be filled with buildings soon. Um, what about any, are there any positives mm-hmm. apart from that? I think there's a lot of social justice happening lately in the dance community which i think is good taking good action towards not letting leaders continue to lead just because they are let's say good dancers or good choreographers but also looking at them as a human and teaching everyone that good leaders also need to be uh, accountable Mm. for their morals their actions and Mm, so i I see that happening and also i see that there is like a ballroom scene kind of growing oh yeah yeah i've been seeing a lot of (laughs) friends go to ballrooms take videos like take part in um i don't know what those are called but the ballrooms they're taking part in and i've never salsa dancing salsa dancing is another scene too that i've been seeing a bit more of yeah so in terms of the social setting i think people are excited to be back from such an intense uh pandemic yeah and i'm starting to hear a bit about how tired many people are about trying to navigate in all these political news happening and just wanting to get into a space and dance Mm. and so i haven't been to one yet but it's been i've been getting fomo watching all those videos and seeing that people can connect no matter what is going on right now is really great to see so i do hope those things continue to happen it might not be in dance studios but i do see them in like ballroom spaces or even in a school hallway they're not letting capitalism or like needing a studio stop them from meeting up anywhere else and dancing so that's really good to see yeah nice man i i really like the first point that you touched on about looking at leaders more than just like how good they can dance and like looking at them as a human being and their moral rights and whatnot because yeah man like moreover anything you don't want to be in a situation where you're with an a-hole you know or someone that takes advantage Mm -hmm. of you and and whatnot so yeah like that that point when you said it i was just like huh i like that i really like that 
As we dive deep into this episode, let's take a moment to thank the driving force behind the Afton podcast, you, our listeners. Your constant support and the time you invest in tuning in every week and a half truly keeps this show on the road. By being here, you're helping us grow and continue to bring engaging stories and insightful conversations to your ears. If you're enjoying our content, please do consider subscribing. Thank you for being a part of this journey with us. How do different art forms such as music or visual arts influence your dance style? Mm-hmm. So in terms of other arts that I do and I'm interested in, I used to do a lot of visual arts and a lot of drawing, sketchbook drawing. I also am into film directing. Yes. So that's another. And then singing, songwriting nice. is another. And I think or I believe that film has most influenced my dancing. Actually, film and songwriting. Mm. Those two have influenced how I see the choreographic process and how I dance as well. Every time I take a class, when I hear the music, I try to envision the vibe, what kind of cinematic world I'm in, and that helps my character, as well as listening to all the nuances, all the techniques that the artist is using, the quality of their voice, what kind of person they could be, and that mm. influences a lot of the tonalities of my performance, including my posture too. Yeah, I'm looking at you right now. He's got a like mighty fine posture right now, like sitting up straight. Yeah, he's not slouching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those help me a lot. And when I choreograph at home, mm. I like to drink a bit or get a bit high, and or even just get in the mood without drugs, you know. And I listen to it, and I start lip syncing. Actually, I learn the lyrics, and I start singing. Or rapping, um, and I find my hands doing all these gestures, and that's what I actually put into most of the time for my choreographies. Oh, yeah, dang. I've learned a lot of foundations, but I naturally don't feel compelled to do foundational movement when I dance. So I love Doja Cat a lot. So mm. you know, when she raps, there's so many things she does with her voice. She yeah. builds these characters, like the highs, lows, raspiness, shouting, whispers. Yeah. So yeah, I go to the washroom and I just like, and I'm like, oh, I like this, and like, shut up. So I do, I add that, all that stuff yeah, yeah, into yeah, my choreo. Yeah. So when I teach music, songwriting, like thinking like the singer helps me the most versus thinking of just a dancer because we're dancing to music too, right? So I try to incorporate that, and then. A lot of my moves are like hand gestural. So I think about the shots as well. I don't know how to describe it, but it helps me frame my movement in a way that's big and bodacious for, let's say, video. Yeah, that's what I tend to think of. So film helps me a lot because I think of camera movements along with my movements. Yeah. That really emphasizes the sound or a feeling someone's trying to give off. And what about um, in terms of people who influence you? Like, mm-hmm. are they are there any? Yeah, let's hear it. Actually, I've been having this thought in my mind a lot. But shout out to Tigo, who was the owner of Vibe when I first joined. Mm. She really pushed me in the best way possible, in the tough tiger mom way that I haven't experienced since leaving Vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She 
really held me accountable for doing things perfectly, precisely. And I think that's something that I haven't been feeling in classes lately because it's very choreo based and feeling, which is good, yeah. which is really good. But I miss the precision, the nope, wrong. Like it's just plain wrong, but not in a mean way. I know, like, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. And yeah. And she would point me out in classes, be like, everyone sit down, Steven, do it. What was wrong? And she would do that for other people because she's so meticulous. And I think that's, I have, I can't really say this on a whole, but I haven't found a class that has gone to that depth Mm. of perfection and there isn't anything wrong with pushing towards perfection in a healthy way yes but i've been feeling like a vibes like all class long yeah. where i'm like i'm vibing but i look whack <laughs> have you have you watched whiplash no what you should watch whiplash i i don't know like i'm really bad with actors names mm -hmm. but then it's basically about this guy who's a drummer Mm -hmm. right and he has a conductor teacher and like that guy is very meticulous and he wants perfection at the most precise i don't know the most mm -hmm. minuscule level right mm -hmm. uh, so at an atomic level i could yeah. even say and like it it makes the main character the mc basically lose his mind and mm -hmm. the MC at the end of the show like starts playing caravan um i don't know if you know caravan i think like the you, car no 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 oh. it, it's a track um mm. i got to i got to search oh by john wasson wasson um I highly recommend you to watch whiplash tonight okay. tonight is it like, netflix do you have like amazon prime yeah, Prime Video. Yeah. Oh, yes. I think it's, yeah, I think you can find it on oh. Prime Video. Um, anyway, <laughs> like, I, I go off a bit. But it's, yeah, it's about perfection. And mm. the negative, like, the, the conductor slash teacher invokes per perfection in a very bad way. Mm. Like, this guy is like, no, I'll, I'll bloody prove you wrong, mm. right? For some people... Uh, and I was talking to Quinn about this a while ago. For some people, negative reinforcement works. Mm -hmm. For other people, negative reinforcement does not work. And mm -hmm. you just put a person in a spiral and they start hating whatever they do. At the same time, yes, there is also a fine line where negative reinforcement itself is met with a little bit of positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. and, and by that, I basically mean what you're saying is that like there's the perfection, but then it's not brought up in a negative way. Mm. We'll watch tonight, first of all. But I think that is the trait I appreciate the most is people who try to attain perfection in a non-personally attacking way. And it's just they're hardened themselves to the right extent, if that makes sense. I have another friend named Emiko. He's a crazy good visual effects artist and... He's so meticulous and uh, he always says like not good enough, but turns that into like drive. And so he's gone really far into the VFX community nice. and is doing such great work right now because of that mindset and persistence. And I also like people who know what they want and not know what they want where they have to claim it. Mm -hmm. But you just watch someone and you know what they're meant to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know. What you I mean. love people like that 
I think those influence me the most is just when I see someone who's doing something because that's what they're meant to do versus doing it because they have to or don't know any other options. And it's okay to take your time to figure out what you want. Mm -hmm. But when I do meet those people who've known for years or even know where they're going, if they're switching, I really admire that is their sureness. Mm. So there's quite a few people that I admire like that. And with admiring, eventually create your own process of working things. In, in other words, you look at other people, they inspire you, and then you develop your creative process mm -hmm. and your way of doing things, right? Um, so can you describe your creative process when choreographing a dance scene? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... <laughs> get drunk or high and I go to my back <laughs> and I just lip sync if if it's a doja cat if it's a song where I'm really vibing with the lyrics I'll do that yeah but if it's something where I don't immediately gravitate towards the lyrical aspect of a song I go cinematic so I close my eyes and I sit back on my chair and I just feel what scene is happening or what kind of mood this is i don't think about the dance by itself okay, ever okay. yeah and also funny enough i do a lot of dance concept videos passion projects i find the location first and then i choose a song and then i do the dance style why is that because but at the <laughs> same time i could see it because like you have this environment set and you're like oh what vibes with this exactly right that. yeah and if you're choosing the song first you have to look for a place that vibes with it mm -hmm. okay and, and knowing it, toronto we ain't really a music <laughs> video uh <laughs> city at all all the places on gigster <laughs> all the places on this open space like that yeah they're like makeshift houses that don't look like houses i'm like what in what world would i want to dance in here like what can yeah, i imagine I you know you yeah so that's exactly precisely the reason why because i teach weekly dance classes so i have so many choreos in my mind and it just doesn't really work with me when i choreograph with a place in mind that just doesn't exist or yeah. will cost so much so in order to do a project i always am looking on things like blogtio or i just travel around the city whatever my plan is and then i look around and if there's a pretty location i would lock that in yeah. and then that helps me the most because that's where the life comes into into the space I see. and so the song would change the choreography style would change so that's what i do for that kind of work for video projects work smart not hard because mm -hmm. <laughs> i have so many choreos already you know like i can at this point have hundreds of choreos but where would it be right like yeah location would be most important yeah but aside from that yeah i lie down imagine a movie or a music video based on the feeling of the song and that influences the choreo as well i'm like what outfits are they wearing like is it big is it in your face is it emotional tender and then and then i freestyle and when i freestyle i think this is contemporary inspired i'm not very trained in contemporary i've taken a few classes and i've done a showcase in contemporary but i think i would like to say my movement is inspired by that and what someone told me is that contemporary is the rawest form or way of moving 
okay. as a human being versus trying to stylize it and make it cool. So once I was doing a gig and we were doing commercial contemporary and I was told you're grabbing something. And then I did it in a way where I'm like, and they're like, no, how do you actually grab something without like, if you were not dancing, how do you grab something like embrace someone? Yeah. So I did it. And they're like, that's exactly what contemporary is. So oh, that so stuck with you, me. So sorry, sorry. You're basically using the basic movements of the human, not necessarily the human body, but human function or yeah. something like that. Yeah, that really inspires me. So when I choreograph or when I teach classes, I'm like, you're lifting buckets of water. <laughs> like, you're like, you want to slap someone in the face, like, boom, <laughs> do it. Yeah. Versus like, swing the arm to the right. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Because yeah. I think that in a way, not dehumanizes it, but then it is not how people would relate themselves to dance right away. So when I say slap, it changes everything. Then yeah. I can be like, make sure your arms all the way. Let's say they're like a foot away. That helps them versus like extend the arm to draw a circle in the sky. Yeah. That's my favorite thing to do is to like, I've learned a lot of foundations with specific lines and shapes and everything. But in the end, I just want to move the way the artist makes me yes. feel and how they're talking. So, yeah, that's my choreographic process is just get myself in that headspace where I am the artist not like I'm a dancer to this song and what do I know? Because I know so many foundations, but it's almost like I never use any of them. In the end, I just move like this and I'm like, uh -uh. Yeah. Oh, 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 let me add that. Uh -uh. Now, maybe there's maybe I can pull a bit from my foundations now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make that move look better, you know? I see. Yeah. You touched a little bit on like music videos and shooting as a choreographer can you walk us more through that process of mm -hmm. if you're going on a shoot or um mm -hmm. yeah if an artist reaches out to me i make sure i really like the song first mm. and so if it's not depends on the rate and then <laughs> it'll get me some time to listen to the song more and get used to it and once i do i do my whole choreography process for example i Listen to the artist, how they sing in in a singer sense. That's why singing helps influence me as well. Okay. Because when it comes from, when the lyrics come from your soul, your heart, there's a way you breathe. I can hear like pain in your breath or I can hear the hypeness in your breath. Things like that would already change the the foundation of the movement. And then once I choreograph, I send them a video and they usually like it first draft. <laughs> so nice which is that's nice. good honestly yeah. that's good because most of the time as artists we have to do multiple renditions that's that's blessed it's but nice. at the same time i feel like that also brings a confidence into your ability you're always mm -hmm. like yes i can do this yeah when we do meet when i do teach them that's when some changes happen because on video i think they get excited in the moment too of like it's very the, different viewing something on a 2d screen mm -hmm. and viewing it in 3d and in person you know mm -hmm. especially because like i'm guessing that they're gonna shoot it from multiple camera yeah. angles and for the most part this is assuming that when you shoot a video for them or a demo for them mm -hmm. you shoot it from one angle mm -hmm. right yeah uh, so am for I, sure am i getting that right you're getting it right okay yeah so we do changes i start talking about the production details you know and also, viewing is one thing, but how the artist feels is a different thing. It might look cool, but after I teach it, they're like, oh, this part's a bit fast. So I 
usually tend to go the faster route because there's so many things I want to hit. Mm. So most of the time, these renditions are slowing things down, letting things elongate. And then I would say, what's the power word in this line? What do and you mean by this. power word? So for example, like in one line where I added eight moves. So once we're in rehearsal and let's say the dance is moving a bit too fast, we look at which parts are fast. And I say within this line, I have eight movements, which is too much for you. But what is the word that you feel most compelled to sing mm -hmm. in that line? Or I even feel it out myself, for example. I'm like, okay, there's too many moves. But over here, you're like, yeah, uh-huh. And then the other words are just a blur. So I'm like, <laughs> I'll highlight the yeah, uh-huh, and slow down what happens before. Yeah. So that's usually what happens because I choreograph too fast is my usual um process is what i notice i yeah. try to hit everything so I'm yeah so, i slow it sorry down. i laughed there you, you know why <laughs> i laughed <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> is it ari i don't know is it ari reference uh, maybe but no that was good <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that happens and then once it feels good i meet the director and we talk about all these shots for example i recently choreographed for a drag queen named priyanka nice uh from rupaul's drag race and the same process happened choreography happened i slowed things down and then i met the director and director was like there's going to be a circle shot around here at 360 and so we start talking thankfully the director is also a choreographer so almost right off the bat she's like oh, everyone right. just face out 360 i'm yeah. like yeah let's do that and then she's 360 like 360 is like you jump and turn 360 degrees or something yeah or the camera rotates around oh the camera okay yeah <laughs> nice, nice. so that happens there's shots like oh in this moment when there's a big boom there's a huge like zoom in can you do something small i'm like of course it says uh lipstick here so i'll do some some hand gesture and i know a lot of hand gestures because of the, the lip syncing method yeah, of yeah. my choreography so it's almost right off the bat and so that happens. We go on set and sometimes I, I do the dance while they're shooting in front of the artist so they can follow. And aside from that, I would be yelling the counts or I would be giving I would be their personal cheerleader. Like, like five, six, seven, seven eight. eight. Come on. Is there <laughs> yeah. like do you do five, six, seven, eight or one, two, three? I say six, seven, eight. Oh, OK. Yeah. Or okay. five. Hey. <laughs> hey, yeah like the okay. five is enough you know and the, yeah. the star is like yeah don't gotta tell me <laughs> yeah it changes each time but always five. Oh my gosh one two three four isn't that's always music isn't it yeah or most of the time is music yeah really one i know two, i know like one, two, what's three, this four. yeah like with news and stuff it's like three two ah yeah <laughs> yeah with news and that. yeah yeah how about spaceships i don't know yeah it's Oh, 10, nine. nine. Same thing with the countdown. Yeah. Yeah. Lift off. We yeah. have lift off. Yeah. We have. So, <laughs> yeah. It's always a five, six, seven, eight for me. And then you go, we go take you to the moon, take you to the stars. <laughs> what song is this? That's Beyonce. That's Jay Z. Which one? Lift off. Okay. I don't know when one I, I think Kanye was in it, actually. Is this an older album or is this yeah. the recent Renaissance? No, one? it's like. And I think it was like <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that Kanye's album? It's their album together. Watch oh, the throne. There we go. Watch, watch the throne. Oh it's a good song. Beyonce is like Damn, okay. Nice I'm that kind that. of fan that 
I wouldn't really say I'm ever a fan of anyone, but I listen to only their biggest things. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, I don't know every song of every artist. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't listen to entire albums of anyone. (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, I'm such a fan of them. That one. Like, I know all their main hits. Yeah. I would be that person in the concert, you know, that's just like, I thought I was it. I think you would love that song, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'll listen to it. I like space themes. And it's another one there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, we diverge. Yeah. We diverge. So back on set, I'm their cheerleader. Yeah. I also look at the shots with the director. We say things we liked, what we didn't, and then I always give reminders to the dancers and re- give reminders to the artist. And then after that, things go silent, and I'm like, tag me when it comes out. Oh. And so it happens. Yeah. Once the choreo's done, yeah. it's good. Until let's say there's live versions, it depends whether they want to al- al- alter. Mm-hmm. or add dancers so that usually happens okay and then that's that if they like it send me another song i'll do the same thing like lie in my bed just listen mm-hmm. lip sync and then boom repeat that's how i do it a lot of in mind type of thing yeah before before freestyling because what i'm used to learning in freestyle is based on foundations you know like a uh like for hip-hop we had to do a lot of freestyle and we were not allowed to do anything outside of the foundations, which is great to learn mm. the foundations. However, um, I wasn't able to freestyle just how I would freestyle, except for one contemporary class, which is why I liked it so much. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. They said to just move like water or move like fire or angry. And even though I didn't know what that meant. Fly it, like a butterfly, sting like a bee type of thing. Sort of thing. Yeah. Nice. Like, oh, move like you're a tree bending backwards for the sun. <laughs> like weird concepts like that would be nice oh. or like that's interesting Cause, yeah because like plants it, it, like fun fact if you put a plant by the window it will reach for the window it will gravitate towards that um yeah just because it's reaching for the light or the photons yeah in scientific terms yeah nice. we get some really interesting prompts too like yeah. oh you're a zombie changing back to human move however you think that is and that how happens a lot in how do you change back to a human as a zombie now i'm curious do exactly. you have, i will have to see yeah if there's like a song it. it depends on the song too you know there's yeah but i think that happens most in contemporary is the storytelling aspect but the but coming from a genuine place yeah so that is interesting though mm-hmm. like honestly like those are so fun yeah we touched a little bit on the challenges of the dance industry, mainly in Toronto and like condo rising and whatnot, right? Uh, but like, what about more working with agencies? I, I assume mm-hmm. like you worked with an agency at some mm-hmm. point, right? So can you discuss any challenges you have faced as a dancer, particularly in terms of working with agencies or booking gigs i'm in an agency right now and i oh, was you are yeah with da costa congratulations oh, thank you. you're welcome i used to be <laughs> in a boutique agency called forte and mm. unfortunately they shut their doors pre-pandemic i don't okay. know why but it just happened but a lot of jobs man yeah and at the same time i could see i kind of pre-pandemic yeah okay i can mm-hmm. kind of see because like there wasn't any in-person things going yeah. on there so like everything mm-hmm. was done on the screen yeah even like this would be done on the screen 
Uh-huh. But, exactly. Yeah. Anyway. anyway so, sorry, I cut you. <laughs> that's all good. Being on an agency is one thing I'm just tired about. And it's not my specific agency at all. It's just this whole industry is about being liked. And one thing someone told me when I took a dance workshop, a dance business workshop about how to make a living as a dancer is there's talent everywhere. People are talented everywhere, no doubt, nowadays with the access. It is, yeah, with access to the internet, anybody can learn anything. And post anything and be found anywhere now. The market for the arts is very saturated and you have to Mm -hmm. do something noteworthy to stand out Mm -hmm. for, what, a day only you know Mm -hmm. and imagine having to to back that up every single day or every single week or every month Mm -hmm. just to keep on the forefront so Mm -hmm. yes yes yeah that's very tiring and she said that even though there's talent everywhere it's people's personalities and their connections and showing face being liked professionalism that gets them booked not just the talent Mm. so that's like good and bad to hear you know because Number one, I'm like, okay, that verifies that I do have talent and it's not a matter of not being good enough. But two, it's also like, well, is it not about the art anymore later than like I I wasn't sure? Yeah, I I feel like as an artist, you also and and like, of course, you're uh, you have an agency, but then still you have to be your own marketer. Right. Mm. Um, Just because like. Mainly because now you have too many people with, and it's not a bad thing. You have a lot of people with talent now. Mm. Um, a lot of people are now looking for a little more than talent just because talent is everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the skill set, sure, I can call a guy. You know, mm. I need a dancer, I could call a guy. I need a musician, I can call a guy. But at the same time, does this person have qualities that I deem worthy to be around type of thing, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like just because of the saturation that like more things come into play, mm-hmm. you know? I do believe it's inevitable. And it it's also, I believe we get it too, you know? It goes down even to when we were kids in class, being able to choose groups sometimes. It's yeah. still, it's the exact <laughs> same. It's just like, but now it's like, this means my career or not at this point so but i get it sometimes because there are depending on the production you also want to do well for the even higher ups like let's say directors they have to please like they were chosen casually by producers who could have chosen another director just because same like same thing everyone's just trying to like it goes back to the capitalistic structure you know they want to choose who they got can choose just because they can but in favor of Mm -hmm. the person they're trying to please too So I think, yeah, I've been having to do a lot of my own work outside just to prove sort of my agent what I'm working on and what I'm capable of. But it's like I have to prove to them first before they want to get to know me. You know, fun fact, but I still haven't met my agent in person yet. Really? Yeah. I was a pandemic hire. Yeah. And we do have really great chats online, but it's been hard to find Time. time to meet so i feel like there's so many aspects that they don't know uh how to help yet because they only know me as maybe what they see online right mm. so that's another struggle is just it's a double-edged sword where yes we are hired but the work 
continues on her own and they could be selective too like oh do i want you for this one i don't need yeah. to so how do you stay motivated and maintain your passion for dance even in in line of your agency and your personal mm-hmm. um craft mm-hmm. uh, that question i don't know the answer to i'm not gonna lie yeah this podcast like this time today i'm in the midst of a very bad mental dip and i've gone through several burnouts within the years and i just came back without really fixing it or healing it and that's not good man i know it's not and i can't even recharge at home so yeah i've been getting high a lot like every day trying to get lost in music or movies which is losing its effect which i know is a thing yeah but i don't know what else to do you know and all these things that would help change my circumstances cost money which is not necessarily attainable in this industry right now Mm. or in in my circle of work right now it it's not enough money to do that for example moving doing trips Mm -hmm. i'm still paying off school i'm paying off uh, acting classes i'm paying off my laptop and it's becoming i'm becoming more aware of the world around me where I think it's very sad that arts is about being a child, but then we can't even do it. It's such a privilege now to do art. Like to do art is a privilege, not it even is. a right it is. of life. Yeah. yeah. And this is not something a lot of people talk about. It's just, sorry, you can't afford class. You know what? Maybe next time. Like, yeah, I, I think the, I think there's one thing I'm denying is that maybe a nine to five is actually better. I'm not lying when I say this, but I had a banking job years ago. I think that was my favorite job mm. over I mean, a just lot of my work. And most likely due to stability. Yeah. Right? In the arts, stability is not necessarily the greatest thing. Not at all. Um, can you discuss the different revenue streams that are, and this does not apply to you specifically, um, more just things that you believer out there so Mm -hmm. can you discuss the different revenue streams that you believe are available to dancers and choreographers particularly in the digital age so toronto right now i believe teaching classes is one Mm -hmm. and doing your privates and everything another stream is doing commercial work backup dancing for uh, independent artists or if there's any commercial work for huger productions like disney netflix those are more rare, but those are some chances to get some good money. Mm. And then comp studios. So there's teaching at local dance studios. For example, that's me right now at Dance Life. But there's comp studios where kids are brought up to like in teams to compete. Those are more higher pay, I believe. I've never done it. And then social media, uh, TikTok, Instagram, brand sponsorships are ways to get money. But it's very difficult to maneuver around social media nowadays and be sure about numbers you know yeah and also i have a influencer friend from toronto who went to la and boy are things different there on instagram over there you Mm. actually get paid for your views and tiktok i don't remember exactly don't quote me on this but tiktok does pay they pay in toronto but they pay more in the states for something i believe like there's just so much more opportunities there. there's a lot more entertainment shows there's a lot more really? um yeah for example like they have many more mtvs but on social media if that makes sense yeah it makes sense yeah. but here it's for example the food 
foodie scene is not paid there's a lot of foodies but it's just for free food yeah. so already in the foodie scene it's not really a great paying industry there mm. in toronto but in the states it's way better i've grown my social media before to a point where i did get sponsorships and those are well paying but that lasted a year because like you said things changed really fast yeah um yeah things don't work out anymore uh like numbers don't actually turn into customers anymore oh yeah and ig doesn't pay the same way if you were in the states yeah. same with youtube millions of views on youtube equals let's say like a few cents mm -hmm. so for social media and dancing i don't know for some of my music videos or some of my films we're trying for grants this year mm. there's some that have let's say one grand number of applicants and they only take nine mm -hmm. and it's only for let's say 10k yeah and with the price of equipment and rentals going up and labor that's not even a lot so it's no, like yeah. sponsors i've not stopped believing in but it's really hard yeah honestly i feel like with sponsors you really have to do something that nobody is doing and it's very hard to get to the point in which you're doing something that nobody is doing yeah it's a very tough one <laughs> yeah if i were to be the realist i am right now i know i've turned into such a pessimist i used to be such an optimist about everything yeah i'm the other way I, i'm oh, very yeah. i i think pessimistically first and then i'm like okay like mm. i always i always like thinking of the worst case scenario because mm -hmm. i know that the imagination the human imagination is far worse than reality and mm -hmm. so if you think of the worst case scenario you're preparing yourself and most case like moreover anything um i find that when you think like i don't know this is like me my skeptical brain mm -hmm. when you think something's gonna happen it never happens right ah. so i think of the worst case scenario so the worst case scenario doesn't happen mm -hmm. right um but if something bad happens i am prepared you're prepared yeah that's well, unfortunate but that's yeah that's, no, that's good like, i feel like that's how like that's a better way of re accepting rejection and stuff like that or uh -huh. over anything mm -hmm. you know but anyway yeah. sorry i cut you there no it's okay with all the burnouts i feel like i'm a ram ramming into the wall mm. expecting something to change or like the box is getting smaller yeah and the way my mental's working right now is you know when we learned in school science and particles and heat mm -hmm. yeah when it gets smaller and more compact and i'm that little ball inside i just start moving faster and faster and faster yeah i feel like so suffocated these days and so with all these questions like the agency and like income and everything i really yeah i i do wish i could have a more positive mindset i'm working towards that yeah but boy if i'm glad i'm being real as well it's it's hard it is out there honestly and it is yeah and so that's my take on pretty much all those things is i'm just giving the parts that i've been struggling with and i hope that this helps others uh be prepared yeah and trust me it will because yeah. it's great having like positive episodes but at the same time 
lot of people aren't feeling too positive themselves, you know, and they need someone to relate to who is struggling as well, you know, and like I know for a fact if I'm listening to someone and I'm like, yes, positivity 101, and I'm not feeling that, well, I'll be like, okay, cool. Yeah, like I used you to know? struggle too. Yeah. Like everyone struggles, yes, like that's true. <laughs> like 